Okay, so if you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I had a moment of confidence crisis and I asked somebody, I chucked it in the fuck it bucket fully and asked somebody that I followed for a very long time find absolutely hilarious. She's a transformational coach, a motivational speaker and identifies as herself as a recovering agency owner who frankly is in my world she's the confidence queen um that's what I follow her for and if you do nothing else from this episode go and follow her on Instagram because her stories are to they just brighten my day and that's kind of the only intro I can give her really welcome to the podcast Kirsty how are you what a wonderful podcast wonderful introduction thank you I'm good how are you I'm good I'm really good but before we kind of jump into the conversation because you are as I said before, the the confidence person. If I was looking for anything, that would I'd be like Kirsty done. Mm-hmm. Uh, with every guest that I like to have on the podcast, I like to challenge them to introduce themselves as a person rather than as a business owner. Because nine times out of ten, when someone says "Who are you?", we go into business mode, don't we? We say what we do, all of that kind of stuff. So I challenge you to introduce yourself as a person. And the twist is that you do it in 30 seconds or less. And if you go over the 30 seconds, all that I ask is that you make a tiny donation to the charity Mind, because I think it's a really important cause. I probably should go over the 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if I don't go over the 30 seconds, I'm an asshole. It's a lose-lose situation. Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll do 30. I'll do 31 seconds. Oh, that feels even more like it. And I have a stopwatch, so okay. I'll, okay. I'll count you in. Are you ready? Yeah, so introduce myself as a person. What a lovely question. I will try my best. Let's go. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Okay, hello, my name is Kirsty. As a person, I am playful and silly. And my main mission in life as an individual is to just have more fun and bring more joy and compassion and connection. I like to think that I am kind and brave and silly. I mean, that's got to be the shortest intro <laughs> I've ever had. Uh, what is it, 18 seconds? What 18 normally, seconds. What do people normally say, like hobbies and stuff? I mean, so someone challenged me to do it and I went, I think mine was about a minute, a minute and 11 seconds. I'm not a concise person on the planet, like the worst person on the planet. And I think mine was more like, um, can speak a little bit of Portuguese, like to go on solo mm. holidays, drink way too much wine. I, ha- I own a cat and I don't like cats. Yeah. Just random things. But yours oh, was I went perfect. Really, I went really to like the core of my soul. Yes, you went, you went fully <laughs> deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, I need to do... So I've got 12 more seconds. Yeah, if you want. So, well, I'll do 12 more seconds <laughs> and then I get over the 30 seconds. I mean, I can just donate to mine anyway. We don't have to... We you don't could have to. do that, but if you want to give us some fun facts, go for it. Oh, I'm learning to speak Spanish. I am a stand-up comic. I married a stranger. I met a stranger in a bar and uh, I eloped with him three months later, moved to the US, rang my mom and was like, hi, mom, I'm married. Anyway, that only lasted four years. Um, I think that's probably about enough. <laughs> this episode has already met my expectations. I'm just going to put that out there. Married a stranger. I, don't, I kind of don't want to ask, but that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I like the idea of the stand-up comedy. What got you into that? So I've always, I've got loads of older brothers and I come from, I grew up in a town called Stoke-on-Trent, which is like, 
I don't know, it, it's always voted as like the worst place in the country and it's very economically deprived. But there's a real sense, like people in Stoke are like really, there's a real sense of humour, I think. So it was just like being, like telling jokes just really ran through my whole family. So it feels like the most normal, natural thing in the world to me. And a few years ago, a lot of people were like, you should do stand up, you should do stand up, you should do stand up. And so I just did it one day. Um, and it's just such a wonderful, I started going down the path of like making a career out of it and trying to get an agent. And then I was like gigging loads and it really kind of stripped the joy out of it. So now I try and just keep it as a thing that I love doing. And when I find myself tipping into that, make money out of it, or I kind of like try and pull myself back and maybe one day I will, but for now it's just this really pure creative space for me. Um, that I get to, and I get to misbehave a lot and yeah. That is absolutely amazing. And I think from watching kind of your reels and things like that, you get a set, I get a sense of that anyway, because I think, and it, that's kind of nice, a nice transition into the question of what you, what do you do for a living? Because I think so many of us, I am definitely, now that you've just said that, it's kind of gone ding. We kind of do things because we like it. And then it turns into a, well, I should make money from it because I'm spending so much time doing it. So talk to us a bit about what, you know, what do you do for a, a living now that we know you as a person? Yeah, so my background is marketing. I used to run a marketing agency. And then I set that up in, oh, I was 26, 2015 or something. Our first client was Virgin Atlantic. It got really big, really quick. It was really, yeah, we had like, <laughs> really big, really, like an outrageous story of me um, think like just trying to do more than I possibly, I don't know, I bit off more than I could chew. But anyway, so did that and it and it was really big and really successful and it was the most amazing business for someone else and so I really struggled with I got very sick actually I was so I got so stressed and so anxious and if anybody else works in a similar kind of space any service-based business where you have clients you need to have a bit of a thick skin and I just don't like I I found all the conflict and the difficulties like it really got to me I wasn't able to like abstract things but during this time, I'd started doing stand-up and I started giving, I used to speak at lots of conferences when I was in the marketing world. And I started giving free presentation training to women to help like do my bit to get more women speakers on stages. Um, and as I was doing that, I was like, oh, this is my jam. So now what I do for a living is mainly I go into teams and train teams to be more confident, have more fun, feel more energized and motivated um and I've run some like one-on-one coaching confidence coaching programs and I'm a motivational speaker I love that and I think as somebody who is in that space and does um kind of struggle with those things how how did you feel in terms of getting up on those stages and doing those conferences because I think how I feel I'm really small fry, (laughs) like so small fry. I think the talks that I do, it's kind of like 10 people, not a thousand people. So how, having kind of said I'm, that wasn't a business for me, how did you feel doing that kind of stuff? And what, what was the kind of the light bulb that went, no, fuck this. Yeah. But first, because um, first I want to compassionately challenge you on saying that you're small fry. (laughs) There are people listening to your podcast and you're having an impact on them and their lives and their work. And, you know, what when we put things out into the world, it's not about the volume of people that we reach. It really is about the impact that we have. So I don't think that you're small fry. Um, I don't think that even you're welcome. Um, 
how did I not be scared about it? I'm still terrified. My life motto is scared and ready. So I have anxiety sometimes. Oh my God, at the beginning of 2021, I was a quivering wreck. I, just, I was very unwell, actually. I was very anxious. And I am a anxious person. I'm quick to, yeah, I mean, like a lot of us. And so for me, it was never about trying to not be scared. It was actually more about finding enthusiasm in the challenge. And for me, there is something, and I think this is a skill that we can teach. There is something really joyous in the idea that like we all die. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. So I guess for me, how did I not be scared? I didn't, I still am. I'm still very scared, but it's more, I have come to learn with practice and a process. And this hasn't just happened, but I've come to learn to enjoy the nerves a bit yeah. I know that my body can hold them and I can almost enjoy that sensation because normally it's an indicator that I'm about to do something uh, interesting. <laughs> going to put yourself out of your comfort zone, but it's just kind of getting used to that feeling, I suppose, isn't it? It's about getting used to that feeling. And I think what happens is I think sometimes we can avoid discomfort at all costs. Yeah. And I think that's super problematic. And there's lots of research that shows, you know, when we are growing and learning, like we do feel discomfort, we do feel uncomfortable. It's kind of part of the process. And so it's really about developing, for me at least, that self-awareness to know where I am in terms of, okay, this feels scary. Do I have ways to like hold this? Can I handle it? Or is this actually going to tip me over the edge and I'm going to have panic attacks? And so for me, it's really knowing what is where um and and really having that like I have this I'm I'm about to give maybe a bit too much detail go for it like yourself out I have a spreadsheet that has three columns in it I've had it for years at one column it says I've got it another column it says scary but okay and in the last column I wrote I write hate it and for me my like life pursuit is to move things through the columns because I think we grow if we for a long time I just avoided things that I wasn't good at or avoided things that I hated and that's just one fast way to shrink I think um yeah so that was a long-winded answer to your question (laughs) (laughs) but it kind of it kind of brings up that I don't know if you can see it's quite small in the background so my friend Leanne bought me I've got a saying called chuck it in the bucket bucket so when I feel like I can't do something or I'm like oh I don't know if I should do that I kind of write it on a piece of paper and literally chuck it in the bucket bucket and just do it. And it's kind of my way of overcoming that thing. So it's actually quite nice to hear what your, like your process of moving columns. So just kind of thinking about the types of people that are listening to this, I think the general kind of challenges that a lot of conversations I, that come up in conversations that I have, if we think about kind of social media world and confidence nine times out of ten it's being able to show their face on a video or you know put themselves out out there how would you kind of is there I don't want to kind of minimize work but like is there like any particular tips that you could kind of say try this yes absolutely so when it comes to sharing things on the internet there's a few things that really really help because a lot of people understandably have resistance to putting things on the internet. It makes a lot of sense. So I guess the first thing is to 
know that share, like putting our head above the parapet is genetically quite difficult for us. Evolutionary speaking, we evolved to avoid being seen, basically, because if we're not seen, we won't get judged. If we don't get judged, we'll stay in the pack. If we stay in the pack, we'll survive. So the first thing that's really important to note that if you are someone who's struggling to really showcase yourself on the internet, well, yeah, like welcome to your beautiful, wonderful humanity. Like it's normal, yeah, it's so normal. It's so. I think that's the first thing that's really important to remember. The second thing is to, I have a motto, a mantra, if you will, and that, do you know who's a really nice person? Most people. In my work, I encounter people all the time and I am very, very fortunate in that I don't think I've ever really met any assholes. There's some, sure, sure. Not really though, not yeah. really. And even if, even the people that you have, it's likely that they were just having a bad day, probably. Oh. Like, it's not that they were fundamentally dickheads. Yeah, I trigger the shit out of a certain <laughs> man on the internet. I, oh, do I trigger him? I, poor Nigel. I really... And, and so often, a lot of the things that I might share will get... Uh, people often are avoid, like, avoid doing these things in case like people... Uh, like think bad of them or ridicule them but the reality is is people are thinking stuff about us anyway yeah like people are having perceptions about us and views on us and ideas about us like constantly and there is absolutely no single person on this planet ever throughout all of history that is universally liked by all nobody the closest I can think of is David Attenborough <laughs> and that's what an icon absolute icon I actually think he's the closest humanity has ever seen to somebody being universally quite liked. But I imagine you could find subreddits of people. Actually, of course you would. Of course, there'd be loads of people that hate David Attenborough. I mean, even David Attenborough is ridiculed and disliked by some people on the internet. But imagine if David Attenborough was like, let the penguins die. I'm too scared. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) So again, I think it's, the same answer to with nerves it's not trying to avoid people not thinking bad things about you because it's unavoidable it's just totally unavoidable and it's about connecting to as long as you feel congruent with what you're saying then and you lead with kindness and compassion then the majority of people the vast majority of people are super nice and super empathetic and super kind and super caring especially on instagram i find Especially on Instagram is just, I don't know whether I've like curated this, but. I feel like you might have. You've you've definitely, you've got Nigel on LinkedIn, haven't you? Twitter is just a (laughs) And then Instagram is the nice fluffy people. Yes. Yes. Nigel's on LinkedIn. He's not, he's still mad for me. (laughs) (laughs) He's a, he's a, he's a fake person, Nigel, but he is. (laughs) Just to clarify, (laughs) it's not, we're not outing anybody (laughs) specifically. (laughs) But I've had some horrible stuff said to me, horrible stuff said to me on the internet. But I think now it's kind of like, it just means I'm annoying the right people. I don't know. So as somebody who literally, you know, less than 10 minutes ago said, I didn't like agency life because I didn't have a thick skin. How, mm. how do you, that feels a bit contradictory, but I also, right. you know, we're talking this time, there's a big time period in between that, isn't there? So. Yes. So I stopped the agency because... <clears throat> 
at the time, so I had this moment where I was getting these really severe stabbing chest pains and there's like heart disease that runs in my family. So I was like, cool, cool. I'm like 28 and I've got heart disease. And I went to doctors and they did loads of scans. And then the doctor sat me down and the doctor was like, cause your heart's fine. This is stress. And I was so used to going so fast and at such a pace that I was like, nah. <laughs> no, no you're, so, you're lying. What? I'm sorry, qualified doctor. What do you know? <laughs> and I ignored it. And then there's that expression that take time for your wellness or your body will make you take time for your illness. And so at the time, I absolutely did not have a thick skin. It was very thin. I was confident in the sense I would stand on stages and I would do stand up. But there is a big difference between confidence and self-esteem. So I had very high confidence, very low self-esteem. So I could perform, but I did it all for this real smack of external validation that I really needed because I did not think I was good enough. Even when I first started doing confidence training, I was not confident. I was teaching people outward confidence, but I really had to go on a journey and it's an ongoing process to learn to like myself and not self-loathe. And I had a huge amount of success very quickly, very young. That doesn't come from a healthy person. I mean, it can do, it can do. But in my instance, I was running, running, running to try and prove and validate. So when I, so you're right, like when I was running my agency, any bit of criticism, I just couldn't hold, I couldn't handle. Um, and now I still struggle with it, but I think through practicing a lot of what I teach, um, it, it's getting there yeah 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 Yeah. and I think that's kind of the thing isn't it it's the reminder that it is an ongoing thing we almost kind of all think that we have to have all of our shit figured out my shit's in little piles all over the room (laughs) 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 I mean that makes me feel a hundred times better I'm not gonna lie so I'm a confidence coach and last week I was having like really intrusive self-loathing thoughts about not being good enough like this stuff doesn't go away well for me I only speak to my experience but for me this stuff doesn't go away I just get much better at being aware of it so that I'm not acting from that place anymore Um, I get much better at being aware of it and learning how to regulate it Um, but it really is a, a process for me in particular there's like just constant unlocking of of different things and I guess it's just, it's that questioning, isn't it? I think I've found since I've started going to therapy more so than anything, so kind of outside of my business world, that I just question everything. And it's right. like, why did I do that? Why am I why am I saying that to myself? And it's not, it's awareness, isn't it? It's self-awareness. And I think, I think the thing that I find crops up a lot is that a lot of people aren't actually aware of the stuff that they're saying to themselves. Yeah. And that damages them I said well not them but it damages kind of their perception and then they think they're shit and then they fall into this like tunnel yeah and especially if you work for yourself there's an expression which is we don't have business problems we have personal problems that become business problems so true (laughs) so true and so in terms of you kind of mentioned before there's a very big difference between self-esteem and confidence and I think unless you're in that space it almost feels like they, in my mind, they overlap, but I'm very naive to it. So if you could, I don't know if you can, define the two. I can totally um, define them. 
So self-esteem is an inward sense of worthiness, as I see it anyway. This isn't like a dictionary definition, but self-esteem is that inner belief that you are capable of, but more than that, deserving of success. And a lot of the things that I see in my line of work is people who have been very successful, but it comes at such a cost in terms of having to keep going, keep going, keep earning, like worried that if you take your foot off the gas for one minute, then it's all going to come crashing down around you. And this comes from like a fundamental, I'm not good enough for this. I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of this. Cool. And that was my... um, I mean, I was going to say the word ghost, it's a bit dramatic. That was <laughs> my vibe yeah. when I was running my big business. And it was this, like, I have achieved huge amounts of success and I cannot hold it. I am not emotionally mm-hmm. capable to hold it. So that, that, from my perspective, is self-esteem. Confidence is kind of being able to own a room outward. Like, confidence is more outward, like being able to communicate effectively and you can absolutely have they can be linked but you can absolutely have one with the other and often it tends to be one of the things that I observe is those of us I include myself in this those of us who are really good at being in the limelight do it not from a place of confidence but from a place of the opposite actually a place of needing some love and needing some validation needing to be seen and we tend to conflate the two wow yeah, I don't think I've ever thought about it like that. I had uh, um, one of my previous guests on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she's a psychologist and she said, she said, I'm going to ask you, Lorna, what is confidence? And I went, um, it's that kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach when you just feel like you've got it. And she went, <laughs> it's a feeling, and it's an emotion, so you can change it. And I was like, holy shit. Poof. Like, I've never, when you kind of break it down to the fundamentals you don't, you don't just sit and think about it like that unless it's, you know, your job. So for her to be like, it's just a feeling. And nine times out of 10, I think that the amount of people that tell me that I'm confident because I sit on Instagram stories and I can talk to them all day. I ask people to be on the podcast because I get up on stage and do talks, whatever it is. And yet I sit there and go, I just blag it. In my mind, I know that's kind of putting myself down a little bit. But not, I've generally, I feel like I'm winging it. But I know that I've got it. I know I can do it. Yeah. And we tend to think of winging it as being a bad thing. I wing everything. <laughs> I wing everything constantly because I'm really capable. I don't have yeah. to prepare. I don't have to. I can wing it and it'll be great. Winging isn't bad. Winging is just leaning into your intuition and working from that place. Yeah. I'm winging it, I think. But yeah, and I think there's that, um, you said something that I thought was, Ah, I've got this idea that like there is no one and some of the people listening to this might have some resistance to this and that's okay. I think we learn through resistance. I don't think there's a single person on this earth who isn't confident. There isn't. Wow. I don't think there is because I like, I really don't think there's any single person in this world on this planet who isn't confident. And the reason that is a big statement. The that is quite I'm a big old statement. Statement issues with big old statements. <laughs> Because I think we all have access to that feeling in some way and at some points in our life. And some people have access to that feeling a lot more. Mm. Some people might feel confident when they're playing video games. 
Some people might feel confident when they're running. Some people might feel confident in their ability to parent. Some people might feel confident when they're baking. Some people might feel confident when they're cooking. Some people might feel confident with their mates. Some people might feel confident in their writing. Like, I think there's all, I think all of us have had glimmers moments, even if it was when you were a child, glimmers moments of accessing that feeling. And so then it just feels like a, a, like a false, like a fallacy to me to then say some people just are not confident because it's like saying some people just are not happy. Whereas we all get those little glimmers of it in those kind of moments. And yes, it's a spectrum, but confidence is super circumstantial and it's something that already exists within us. Even if, in fact, even if, in fact, I'm going to, I'm doubling down into my big bold statement because when babies are first born right newborn babies the first thing they do that everybody did listening to this probably was scream and when you're a child you scream because you're like feed me nourish me love me meet my needs I deserve to have my needs met we're born confident we lose it along the way and do you think that's it well I mean that feels like a really rhetorical question it it's due to our environments, to our upbringings, to our teachers, our friends, our family. Our... Yeah, humans have something called the negativity bias. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. Yeah, we're genetically predisposed to focus on the negative because it keeps us safe. So you could, be, you could do a thousand things right and you'll focus on the one thing you do wrong. And I think within these parameters, our data fundamentally gets a bit skewed towards not being able to fully see the full picture of who we are which is why, like you were just sharing, actually, I know people perceive me in a certain way. I have to put a lot of work in to perceive myself in the same way that other people perceive me, like a lot of work. And even then, often I don't. I'm still like, I'm just a stupid little girl. (laughs) I think that's where I'm still at. That 90% of the time, I'm like, I don't know who they're seeing because that's not me. And that's when it's important to seek evidence, give yourself evidence as to what they're seeing. And I guess that's kind of, while you were talking a minute ago, that was kind of what was going around in my head. It's almost like we have to look for, I've noticed in myself, I have to look for, I have to prove to myself that I can do that thing and then I can do it again or I can do it a little bit bigger next time or I can do it a little bit more next time. And it's almost like the clients that I work with generally are product-based business owners and that negativity bias, they get a thousand positive reviews, one negative, and that's it. They're written off for the rest of the day. Yeah. And it's almost like, I just kind of want to shake them and be like, but look at the thousand, they're so good. But it's almost like just kind of reminding them that if you do that one thing once and you get a good response, it's kind of banking that and then reminding yourself of that. Yes, yes. Banking's a nice word for it. I call it integration. <clears throat> Going through an active process of banking, logging, adding in all of the good stuff, like a little Sonic running around collecting the gold coins. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm showing my, yeah. I don't know if I'm showing my age here, but did you, did you ever watch The Weakest Link? Yeah. And then yeah, they're like, it gets towards the end of the round and they're like, bank, bank, bank. <laughs> Like, if they don't bank the money, they don't get the money. So it's kind of like, I think there are some things that people can do. And for me, this looks like a few different things. But I have a practice of, like, actively acknowledging the things that I've done well. I create a folder of my wins, which I go back and reflect on. And so it's having, like, an active process to check in with the ways in which I am doing well. 
And often we have resistance to that because we think if we do that, then it will mean we'll stop learning or we'll become arrogant or something. But actually, there's lots of research suggests that the exact opposite is true. Yeah, I think that's kind of uh, from previous conversations, that's kind of what's come up a lot. It's almost like I don't want to do those things because then I seem like I'm bragging or I seem like I'm showing off. Is there any any way, you know, from your experience and from your expertise that you can kind of not get around that? Because, again, I think as human beings, we're all fundamentally scared of being judged. But how do we kind of overcome that? Actually, it's all right for me. I, I created these results. I did this thing. I'm fucking good at what I do. Like, how do we get over the telling other people that and worrying about them thinking that we're a show off or we're arrogant? There's a few things, some a bit more practical and some a bit ethereal. I'll share the ethereal one first. If you are someone who occasionally looks at what other people are doing and judges them for it, that shit doesn't serve you. So if we sometimes go on Instagram and look at other people and go, oh my God, look, I hate that, like, or whatever, we are going to automatically assume that will happen to us. Yep. We cannot change how other people think about us, but we certainly can change our viewpoint of the world and where we spend our time and our energy. So one of the things that I disciplined myself out of fast was negatively judging other people. I just don't do it. I I just, I just don't. I really don't. And so because I don't do that, it creates a few different things. A, I no longer feel as though I'm being scrutinized. I'm being judged. And so it creates a bit more of a safe space for me to share. The second thing is it allows me to share from a perspective of just assuming we're mates. And actually, and we'll talk about like arrogance a little bit more in a minute, but if we're sharing from a perspective of competition, then yeah, you probably are more likely to be perceived as or even be like being bragging. But if you're sharing from a perspective of assuming that everyone has your back, that most people are good, you don't invest your time thinking other people are assholes. And then it actually just creates a much safer mental parameter in which for us to do it. <clears throat> so I think judging, negatively judging other people is the most natural, normal thing in the world, especially if people have done it to you or your parents did it to you, or you, we have things in your background that might validate that. Like it's so normal to do that, but it really, really gets in the way of our ability to have human connection and to share freely, yeah. I think. I think that's the biggest thing. But then there's some much more like practical things alongside that as well. But I think that's a huge thing that underpins a lot of this stuff. It's how we spend our time and energy. If we spend our time and energy focusing on other people, it becomes very hard for us to show up. We just make others the enemy and they're just not. They're just not. It It is quite concerning, actually, that in 2022, there's almost this kind of assumption that that person is going to hate me or that person is going to say no or that person is judging me or that person is I quite like your and I actually I think that's probably I think I started following you when I when you went on the marketing meetup with Joe Mm. Glover and you literally said I think it was that sentence about people are fundamentally actually good people they're not assholes and I was like that's my person like (laughs) I like her I'm gonna go follow her and I think that's you know we could all probably take that on a lot a lot more um that it's been amazing I think uh, to me that's the perfect place to wrap up unless there's anything else you wanted to chat about 
I think no. it's definitely given me more than the, the best part about this podcast for me is I get to talk to the guests and I'm like I come away like yes <laughs> I hope people that are listening to this are like yeah that worked yeah I like it but it feels very selfish but I'm all right about it to be honest um so for anybody that has listened to this and has rightly so fallen in love likes your humor wants to get to know more about how they can work with you um how can they do that where can they find you and follow you I think maybe the best place is on social media. My Instagram handle is at Kirsty Hulse. And my Twitter handle, annoyingly, is at Kirsty underscore Hulse. Because oh. I registered the Kirsty Hulse Twitter handle in like 2010. And I can't remember how to get into it. They won't let me in it. <laughs> but yeah, so at, yeah, Kirsty Hulse. I'm very findable on the internet. It could be uh, registered to one of those kind of your childhood hotmail address. Yeah, <laughs> I used them. to have a Hotmail address, which was rock underscore on at Hotmail.com. Nice. <laughs> nice. Mine was yeah, like my, my childhood nickname at school, which I adapted from my brother's nickname. That was... Ooh, that, that feels was problematic. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that swiftly got removed <laughs> from everywhere. <laughs> um, as always, I will pop quick links and all of that kind of stuff so you can find Kirsty really really quickly in the show notes um but Kirsty thank you so much for your time it's honestly been such a joy I've loved it it's been the best half an hour of my week I thought you were going to say life and I'm uh, yeah. you don't, you don't <laughs> get to claim that crown this has been the best half an hour of my life like your friends and family are like <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you thank you um yeah, hopefully some people found this useful and interesting. And if anyone has any thoughts or questions, just send me a message. I always reply. She is the confidence queen. And you've actually got a launch coming up for your eight-week course, haven't you, soon? I have, yes. I've got a new confidence program coming out soon. So I will pop a link to that as well, to the waitlist, because I've just signed up for it myself. Nice. So I'll pop that in the show notes as well. Um, thank you so much for your time, Kirsty. It's been a pleasure. Amazing. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye.